Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And now some of you who looked at the title of this or are going to hear what I'm about to say that the topic of conversation is for the day might be wondering if I can look at a calendar and recognize that there's still a couple of months of baseball to play. And I assure you I have not fallen down and hit in my head and I very much know what the date is. But of course, with tomorrow being the trade deadline with the general consensus that the Colorado Rockies are not going to do anything major and Maybe unlikely to do anything at all, though I'm still curious about that. We'll see. There's some time left in all of that. But we've done a lot of talk about specifically the trade deadline. Of course, we've covered the Daniel Bard extension. Uh, I've done both podcast and written form on that. And in doing all of that, I've found myself engaged with a number of conversations with the fans, of course, about the next two years, right? Especially when, when we talk about that Daniel Bard contract. Like, how in the world is this team that continues to basically sit here around 11 games under 500 who who have just been so extraordinarily frustrating to watch this year and and have not performed anywhere near as well as clearly the franchise thought they were going to you know aren't they just deluding themselves what is the path forward to success but i find that this conversation like most unfortunately especially when it's taking place on social media right it it kind of boils down into an an oversimplification of a lot of things and that oversimplification has been stated explicitly to me this way right how can a team that's going to win 68 to 72 games and we'll see what it actually comes down to but whatever total 78 right how do you go from that win total to postseason contention in just two years? And that is the question that I want to start talking about today because it obviously it, it frames everything that's going to go on with the Rockies for the last couple of months here. It gives us a little bit better context for the trade deadline. And it does begin that conversation for the next couple of years because that's what we're looking forward to, right? With, with this season, very, very unlikely to have some kind of magical turnaround. So I think the first thing we've got to ask ourselves, if we're being fair about it, is what do we mean by competitive or contention, right? Will the Rockies be able to challenge the Dodgers anytime in the next two years for the division? No, almost certainly not. But again, remember, nobody else is going to be challenging the Dodgers for anything either unless they do something really weird and mess up the fact of the matter is the Dodgers are going to be the class of the National League for the foreseeable future and have been for the foreseeable past right for the last decade at this point now no that doesn't mean they win the World Series every year in fact they've only won it in the one Mickey Mouse season as it were but they're always if you were to Ask yourself honestly, before this season and before really the last six, seven, eight seasons, you're going to take a bet. Who's going to end with the most wins in the National League? The Dodgers or anybody else? More often than not, picking the Dodgers would be the wise choice there, right? And it was again this season. Doesn't mean it's always going to play out that way. But that's just the fact of the matter. They're not going anywhere. And with more postseason slots, that doesn't really change anything. So to people saying, 
Well, there's no way they're going to be competing for the division within two years. That's almost certainly true and also almost certainly not really relevant to the conversation because almost nobody can match up with the Dodgers in the National League. There's the Dodgers and there's the Yankees, right? And trying to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, is not a good idea here. We've talked about this plenty of times before. But again, the Rockies are always going to be the team that's like Atlanta last year that wins 86 games in the regular season, but gets hot at the right time, has the right makeup of the right team, and can win a short series because of the way they're constructed, right? You've got to get to the dance, get to when they start playing the seven-game sets, and you can equalize some of those disadvantages. But over 162 games, the Rockies just aren't never going to be able to hang with the Dodgers. And neither is anybody else in the National League. So what the question really should be more specifically is how do the Rockies in the next two years get themselves to be one of those mid-80s wins teams that can get hot if they have good luck or good health or whatever else that comes in, which is what most of the teams that are in the middle of the pack are doing in baseball these days. But that doesn't mean that it automatically happens or you should count on luck. That's why we're going to dive into the roster a little bit today, right? So where is this supposed improvement going to come from, right? Especially if the Rockies aren't going to trade guys like CJ Crone and Daniel Bard. And this is why I think it, it helps us to take a specific look at what the roster might look like on opening day next year as we're having this conversation, right? So let's go around the diamond position player-wise, uh, starting in the outfield, where it's going to be really interesting, right? The Rockies are obviously, they're, they're, we've got seven-year deal with Chris Bryant as long as he's healthy, and there are longer conversations to have in the future about his plantar fasciitis. That'll be one of the things that we'll be keeping a close eye on. How much does that, does that seem to impact him on the field, at the plate, any of those things. The bat continues to be really, really fantastic, especially by the advanced numbers. Uh, you worry about some of the mobility in the outfield. Of course, the Rockies locked Chris Bryant into left field for this year. Does that mean that they couldn't look at him at first base year after next? We know CJ Crone is still on the roster, whatever it is, but you're going to have Chris Bryant in left field when healthy for the foreseeable future. The foot may be something where that means that the fourth outfielder position becomes a little bit more important to the Rockies, right? We know who the left fielder is going to be if healthy. And of course, everyone has that caveat of if, if healthy at this point when I'm talking about next season's opening day. But there's still going to be your guy who has the biggest war potential. So how do you feel about the deal, the contract, this, that, or the other? Chris Bryan in left, solid place to start. Going over to center field, it's going to be, you know, interesting because Jonathan Daza emerged in a really interesting way this season, but by no means has he become a superstar, obviously, right? He's been a consistent hitter, though he's been a bit cold lately, but for the first several months of the season, the contact skill was absolutely fantastic. He had the great batting average, and he's a really good athlete and defender. So when you can, when he is giving you production with the bat, He's a great guy to play because he's such a good defender in that big outfield and, and you need him there. And because he can bring a certain amount of athleticism, though the Rockies haven't been a team that's, you know, run this season because other than Daza, they really don't have a lot of the personnel to do that. 
Uh, and sometimes you need team speed in order to make it play. And there's a lot of strategic thinking that says speed just isn't something you should try to build your offense around anymore. Which, again, another philosophical conversation we can have for another time. Now, this is where it gets really interesting as we move into the future, right? Because this element has already changed. We came into this year thinking Charlie was probably going to play a lot of DH. And for the first couple of months, this was an argument back and forth. And Charlie had been getting out there and playing right field a lot. But he hasn't been lately, right? He basically has become the team's DH, which is as it should be, and which is how it always probably should have been. But... They're there now. And in the interim, what that did, for the most part, was open up playing time for Connor Joe. And Joe has been fine, right? And this is another thing. And if you all recall, you know, before the season started, I said in my predictions that they weren't going to make it. A lot of this season is going to be about figuring out who's a part of your core moving forward and sometimes it's about figuring out who isn't and as much as we all love Connor Joe and the story and everything going on there and as much as he could be a very important you know role player he he could be one of those glue guys moving forward at the beginning of the season there was a, a very real sense that he could be a leadoff hitter who was going to comfortably on base like in the high 300s and who was maybe going to sniff like 20 home runs you know and it's that power that never came that never really fully materialized for Connor Joe that I think makes you potentially pump the brakes on seeing him as an everyday guy who's who's in the middle of your lineup right again I don't think and and going back to my point earlier if if you know Bryant is going to have these health concerns if you're kind of over Charlie Blackman as a fielder. You probably still need a guy like Joe around who's kind of comfortable in both corners, a pretty good athlete, you know, still puts together a great at-bat. His on-base skills are still absolutely fantastic, but probably not a driving force for the team moving forward, and now we know that. And knowing that, you know, this is where I think the Rockies are going to go and get a free agent in the offseason. But some of that will depend on how they view their minor leagues. I think it's going to be a little bit early for guys like Brenton Doyle. Ryan Vallade has uh, stalled out just a little bit. Uh, but there are interesting candidates there. Of course, the most fun and interesting candidates for the outfield don't come for probably until 2024, which is when we get to start talking about Zach Veen. Right. But there are a few intriguing guys in the Rockies organization. And, you know, there's always the possibility of, you know, one of these guys gets really hot with the bat and you throw them out there in left field here and there. And you don't want to have terrible defenders at Coors Field sometimes, but they're they're need they need to find the offense. Right. But I do think if if I were a betting person, which I'm very much not, I would in the offseason see the Rockies pursuing another potential big bat, especially if they could get a, a shorter deal on maybe a more veteran-type player and give them a, a one- or two-year deal in anticipation of Veen arriving not too long after that. But go get you know a big slugger. I do think they're going to increase the um, the budget. 
I haven't looked into too many candidates. I think Brandon Nimmo is going to be out there. He's a he's a really interesting one. But a but a bat like a real. 20 home run hitter that it looked like some of these other guys were going to be, but it never materialized, right? Randall Gritchick is still kind of a part of this equation right now. Uh, I'm still of the mind that you should probably trade him if you can. Nothing wrong with keeping him around either, uh, because like I said, he's, he's going to be a little bit overpaid for a fourth outfielder, but that's really neither here nor there for guys. Rockies are paying him like $6 million or whatever, which is, it, again, probably more than he's been worth, but it's really not killing your budget. So I think that's where there's the possibility for the most amount of like external maneuvering, right? Why? Well, let's go to the infield. It's been a discipline. Let's start on the, the, the left side. It's obviously been a disappointing season for Ryan McMahon. And as one of his biggest advocates from the time he hit rookie ball up through this season, you know, it's it maybe a bit time to look ourselves in the mirror and say this guy may never become the superstar player despite kind of being this superstar person and and clubhouse guy and defender right i think it's unfortunate really really unfortunate just from a timing perspective that he got off to such a bad start defensively particularly in terms of the errors right if you look into the deeper numbers and and you get real technical about, man, he gets to so many balls and he makes so many plays that other guys don't. So the fact that he has made more errors, yeah, but we were all also watching those games. They were very key, oftentimes unforced errors. And for a guy who had been like the best defender in baseball last year, it was really disappointing to see. He's he's calmed that down, but all of the skill set is there. And I think ultimately, you know, what we're going to see moving forward with Ryan McMahon is probably that, and it's you know I'm I'm gonna always wonder, you know, ah oh man, how did it just not quite all come together for this guy? And I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe he he becomes the superstar next year. But you know he got that big contract extension, but it wasn't huge, and I think he's still gonna be worth that money. So as much as I'm sitting here saying, you know, uh, I thought it was there was a decent chance that contract was gonna come out to a huge steal for the Rockies because I. I thought McMahon had a chance to be this kind of four to six war player every year for the next six or seven years. And that's still, I think, almost entirely through his defense, a possibility. But you were you were hoping for that bat. You see the potential in it. And man, when he launches one, it's it's truly majestic. But he hasn't been able to consistently produce the power at the plate. Uh, you know, he, he's it's up and down with the bat. And so, while I think you can absolutely be competitive with McMahon uh, in your lineup and on your team, and that's why I've got no problem with just kind of cementing him in there at third base moving forward, you are, he's not going to anchor the middle of your lineup. And so you've got to answer for that in other places, right? Now we come to the, the big one, right? Shortstop. Right now, it's been Jose Iglesias and a smattering here and there of like Garrett Hampson and and whatever else, right? But it's been Iglesias most of the year this year. And as we've talked about, he's played well. And as I've mentioned several, several times, I still think they should trade him. And if they can get anything for him, I can also see there not being really a lot of huge interest in a guy whose primary value is like contact hitting on the road and solid but not elite defense up the middle. But you never know. And even if Iglesias is still around for next year, 
The best case scenario is, of course, that your starting shortstop in 2023 is Ezekiel Tovar. This is the guy with the biggest opportunity to be an internal candidate who gives the Rockies a lot of production and value next year that they didn't have this year. Where are these extra wins coming from? You hope some of them from that. Now, it'll be interesting because you'll still need depth up the middle, you know, and if they get rid of Iglesias and Tovar doesn't turn into something right away, if he has some, you know, struggles getting used to Lee, he'll be very young. He'll be 21 still. Um, maybe 22 by next, by 23, <laughs> by 2023. Why? That's going to be confusing. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. Um, but that is one of your biggest avenues for improvement. Even if you want to still keep the veteran around, which might be a good idea. Might not again, that, that all comes down to specifics of Iglesias. The more playing time you can get, though, out of a potentially new, potentially star player, those are some of your biggest opportunities for improvement. And you've got Brendan Rodgers, I think, is pretty well settled in at second base. Again, unless, you know, there's always possible healths and trades, but right, Brendan Rodgers is going to be there. And he, I think, is still one of those guys where, you know, kind of back to the McMahon conversation, haven't seen him turn quite into that star-level talent that thought some thought he could be there. Maybe he just settles in like McMahon has as a really solid major league player, but not that next level. But I still could see the step forward for him. Uh, but I, I think you've at least got to feel solid at the absolute worst about Brendan Rodgers uh, at second base, though he needs to tighten quite a few things up offensively as well. Then at first, you've got uh, the Colorado Rockies only all-star from this year, C.J. Crone. Now, the big question for me with this setup is, can you get Elijeros Montero into this conversation? Because like Ezekiel Tovar, that is one of your biggest opportunities to find more wins, right? To have somebody helping you win games in 23 that wasn't here in 2022. And that one's going to be really interesting because as long as Charlie, Crone, and McMahon are all on the team, you've got probably third, first, which are the positions that Montero can play, and your DH covered. And that's going to make it difficult for him to break in. Now, we all know injuries happen. You need depth. Uh, you you could do a sort of DH platoon where Charlie DH is against righties and Montero against lefties. And you've got to be prepared for some of these aging guys, Blackman in particular, to... You know, at some point the production drops and someone's got to step in and take over the job. But that's where maybe in the offseason you do consider trading one of those three or you consider trading Montero, probably for pitching. But at the corner spot slash DH spot, the Rockies have a little bit of glut here. And Montero continues to hit fantastically in AAA. I think he's going to be a hitter. I'd really love to see more and more out of him. I'd prefer not trading him of, of of all the things, really, because, again, I think he represents some of the best possibility to get you more offense that you weren't getting this year. 
And at catcher, it's going to remain the same. Just, uh, you know, like most teams, I really thought Diaz was, was going to be the guy this year and it just didn't turn out that way. And it's as much as that's frustrating and disappointing. Most teams are frustrated and disappointed with the offense of their catcher, but that just leaves the Rockies with too many spots right now where they're not getting offense. And that's why either a big bat in the outfield or finding playing time for Montero and going full in on that. If you believe he can be a big bat for you and handing him the DH spot, however you, you get there. But from a position player standpoint, Tovar is the guy who has the biggest possibility to make a positive impact next season. And other than that, they need to make a big change in at least one of these spots. Like I said, probably going and getting a corner outfielder because I didn't really man right field with anybody here, right? I had Charlie DHing, Connor Joe, Randall Gritchick. Like these guys aren't getting you the offense that you need. You need someone in that spot, preferably a right fielder who can mash. You throw that guy on the team figure out a way to get some at-bats for Montero, and now you've got three players in New Guy, Tovar, and Montero who are helping you, hopefully, get to some more wins. Let's talk about the pitching real quick before I sign off on this one. This is where they're they're kind of locked into what they've got right now, right? And And as we all know, going out and trying to sign a big free agent starting pitcher just comes with all kinds of potential baggage for the Colorado Rockies. So right now, you know, they just, everyone's been disappointing in the starting rotation, even in in the moments where Kyle Freeland has been fantastic. And he may even by the end of the year, you know, his numbers may end up looking like one of his better seasons, obviously not his best, (laughs) not, not 2018, but you know, and, and Herman Marquez is just putting up the worst season of his career and almost certainly is going to do so. Austin Gomber's having a down year. He's the one I think most likely just bounces back because I think he's going through a lot of sophomore slump things. League adjusting to him, him adjusting back, but not finding the proper feel for everything that he's doing. He's a really smart guy. Uh, he hasn't lost stuff. He's shown these glimpses of being able to find his feel. And so Gomber is the one I actually, at this particular moment in time, have the biggest belief in, if not to, you know, we've never really seen him be elite. So I wouldn't say that because Marquez still has the stuff, right? But they just need these guys to bounce back. And so it becomes clear to me, I think that they're trying to compile just an army of arms to be ready to go next season with the way they've been talking about extending Chad Cool and Jose Urania. Uh, they need those veteran depth pieces for when guys like Peter Rollison, Peter Ryan Rollison, Peter Lambert are getting hurt like they've been all year. Uh, you know, the, the having too many games started by guys that just can't go. Ryan Feltner is going to factor into all of this. But these are the starting pitchers that they're going to have, right? The, there's not going to be, and unless these guys get healthy, and I mentioned the four big injured pitchers that should be ready in terms of service time to go by next year. Lambert, who we've seen at the major league level. Rollison, who was right on the doorstep. And then Helkris Olivares and Chris McMahon, who have spent too much time hurt and, and all that. So it's just like, unless those guys are really healthy and ready to go, the rotation that they've got right now is the rotation that they will have moving forward and so it's going to have to be all internal improvements and improvements and that's one of the reasons why I've talked about maybe looking very seriously into some 
some new coaches in the offseason, getting a new perspective in here, getting uh, because I don't believe that Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland, uh, a lot of these guys who are still, you know, in their 20s, if they're past their absolute physical peak prime, according to the tables, it's just barely, you know, and they there should still be plenty of good pitching left in these guys. They've got the ability. They've got the head on their shoulders. Uh, I, Sensatella, I believe in as well. And so, you know, I, I understand. I've often said that the strongest bias in sports is not homerism or haterade. It's not pro or anti umpires or this that it's it's recency bias right it's it's hard to imagine right now that this exact same rotation that's just been frustrating as hell could be really what we thought they were what they what they should be could get back to pitching to I'll even just put it this way their career numbers their career ERA plus if you want they they should all be able to get back to doing that next year which makes this team way way more competitive. But if they can't, I mean, that is the key. It always has been. It always will be. The starting five in your rotation are the most important element of your team. And if all five of them are having down years, so is your ball club. The easiest answer, it's not one people like, but it's the closest to the truth of how do the Rockies go from, let's say, a 75-win team to an 85-win team. People love to believe it's signing the big free agent or it's doing a big teardown and rebuild or it's completely, you know, reframing your entire roster. A lot of times it's just not having all five of your starting pitchers having down years. And you can't count on all five of them to have the best years of their careers either. And like I said, I do think the Rockies, there's some responsibility here, whether it's coaching, front office, sort of philosophies. Whatever's going on, it can be fixed. We just are going to have a hard time knowing that it's going to be fixed until it gets fixed. (laughs) So, you know, we'll see there. But the starters are what they've got. The good news on the pitching side, you're saying, well, are they stuck with the same bullpen? Absolutely not. And that's what's intriguing and interesting and one of the biggest things about how sometimes ball clubs go from being really bad to quite good. Bullpens. A bad bullpen can absolutely tank a season. A bad bullpen can make a good team a mediocre team or even a terrible team. It is just one of those unique things in sports that 24 of the 25, I got to move this up to 25 of the 26 man, no wait, it's 27, 26 of the 27 men on the roster can play a good game. A game that earns that would have otherwise earned a win. And if one reliever, maybe it happens to be your seventh inning guy, your eighth inning guy, or your ninth inning guy, on any given day, one reliever is having a bad day, and you lose the ball game. And the Rockies have done that quite a bit over the last couple of years, despite the fact that they've got one of the best closers in baseball and just locked him down for two more years. So as it always seems to be, the question comes down to, what do they do here? How do you how do you get guys in? And that's where whether it's trades, free agency, but you don't need to be making big time trades. You're like you're not trading CJ Crone for a reliever, and you're certainly not trading Daniel Bard for another reliever. That doesn't make any sense at all, right? That's you you need relievers, but you can't spend too much on them. So go get a whole bunch of them. I think the Chassin experiment, 
It's not just an experiment. He was really good last year, and he's had his moments. But I think Chassin might be ready to tap out. You know, I think some of these veteran guys, like I said, Colome is the one guy I really do think they'll trade. And if they don't, they are going to lose him in the offseason. Because he's still young enough that based on what he's done this year at Coors Field, someone will pay that guy. Uh, so he'll, he won't be there. A lot of these veterans aren't going to be there. And I'm intrigued by the continued, you know, stability now of Lucas Gilbreth for a little while. I still think as much as Bob Stevenson's been eating it this year, he's a very intriguing arm. Carlos Estevez keeps doing the thing where it seems like he's really absolutely fantastic when they need it less lately and when they really really need him to step in and be great that's when he seems to falter and give up the the base hit with the and he inherits the bases loaded and he strikes out two guys and then gives up a bases clearing double in the gap or whatever right and so you got to rework the entire bullpen and there are some wins to be found there as well now having done all of this having gone through each part of the team it doesn't seem to me like absolute magic that the Rockies can improve by 10 or 12 games from this season to next, but it also will not take care of itself. As I, as I think I laid out there, you know, they got to get more home runs, especially out of the outfield. They've got to find a way to get more hefty bats into the lineup. They need a new approach on the mound. Something needs to change on the mound, whether it's new approach, uh, we talked about the coaching, whatever it is. They've instead of getting the least out of all their starting pitchers, they need to get the most in their wins to be had there. And then in the bullpen, that really is the one place where you're going to need a bunch of new personnel, other than the closer. And it's nice to know you've kind of got him locked in there, and, and you can work guys in around him. And, you know, there are a few guys within the organization. Most of you know I've been high on like Justin Lawrence and Jake Bird, and I'm, I want to see them for the rest of the year. You know, Ryan Feltner, and and here's the other thing. I actually think what they're doing with these starters could work out beautifully if next year they show up and you've got a healthy Lambert and Rollison and you've got Cool and Urania kind of all in the mix and they're all behind those top four. You're feeling better about Gomber, let's say. So now you've got five pitchers fighting for one spot, but a bunch of those guys I think make for really intriguing bullpen candidates especially for a long relief, which the Rockies have just gotten terrible production this year from like Chassin and Ty Block and you know, some of those guys, especially early on. Whereas Ryan Feltner, who's really bringing the heat these days, might be fantastic in that role. Jose Urania, fantastic sinker right now. If, you, if that's something he's feeling confident with, I, I could see him being an answer in the bullpen. If it turns out those guys are really stabilizing the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation, maybe Austin Gomber becomes a much needed lefty in relief. I think he's actually looked really intriguing in a couple of relief spots this year. Then those young guys, Rollison and Lambert, maybe you feel like, oh man, they've gotten blocked or whatever. No, first of all, no such thing as too much good pitching. And second of all, put them in the bullpen. This is where you, if you, there's, so many spots where the Rockies need more good pitchers. Signing these veterans on like low-level deals and bringing them back to up the kind of floor of the pitching to give yourself all of these options for somebody somewhere to emerge and give you something out of the bullpen. 
I think there's an opportunity there for them to do all those things. I don't think it takes much more than one big bat in the offseason, a whole bunch of relievers. But the more important personnel changes for me are going to be behind the scenes. There's got to be a couple of philosophical things that get lined up properly. And they've got to have just an army of pitchers ready to go in spring training, battling it out for spots. We'll see what happens. But again, that that is my long-winded answer to when people say, how do you think this team could even possibly... And that was all just for next year, by the way. That was just for how they can improve for next season. The year after that, it's a far more wide-open question because then you start getting into like Zach Veen and Drew Romo being ready to go. And, and then you've got a lot of avenues for potential improvement. You've also got several contracts coming off the books. Like the team's going to look very different in 24. It just by necessity it will. As much as people are frustrated about they're running it back exactly the same next year, which as I just said, I don't think it's going to work out quite like that. Some of it a lot of that was the same, but there are going to be differences in that. But by 24, a very different looking team, especially if a lot of the guys who are here right now don't figure it out. Then then in 24, we will be talking about a different starting rotation, and that's going to be probably a nightmare. So it would be a lot better if these guys who have figured out how to pitch here before could just remember how to do that, please. <laughs> so I don't have to try to go through figuring out how uh, the next phase of Kyle Kendricks and Jeremy Guthrie's. All right, thank you all for listening into this episode of the podcast. Let me know what you think. If any of this made sense to you, if it didn't make sense to you, that's fine. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel. Appreciate you listening to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all the Mile High Sports podcasts here on the network. And, of course, all the written content over at milehighsports.com. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.